Sales, it can be demanding, exhausting, and overwhelming. Today's guest, never one for stereotypes, Heather Campbell took a job in sales for a better work-life balance. I wanted to go to a dentist appointment or something. <laughs> Have a real life. Heather shares the story of her first week in a new job, where despite zero experience selling, she made the audacious claim that she could get any client they wanted. And he said, oh, you know, a bank. We love banks. If you want to, you could try to get on for a bank. She excelled in her role, winning every internal competition until those competitions just seemed to magically disappear. They also had like a competition leaderboard in the hallway where the sales reps worked, and that also disappeared. Hear how Heather's tenacity led her to prove everyone wrong on this week's episode of Pretty Big Deal. Tell me a little bit about your kind of first job in marketing. What attracted you to marketing? Uh, and how did you find out about that job? Yeah, so I, I guess my first big, big deal job after college was an ad agency. I majored in philosophy, so I feel like philosophy majors end up in marketing or serving coffee. <laughs> so I went, I was in an advertising agency. I had um, the Subaru account, which was really fun. I had a jet fuel account. I had a yarn account. I had all kinds of accounts. Um, and there it was very madman. It was very Bernie Audi. I was very exhausted with my work life balance. Describe that. What does that mean? I had about 13 or 14 accounts, and it was account management at the highest degree where I didn't really have an assistant or anybody else. So, any single issue with the website, with um, their media buys, with a billboard, with their print, with an event, I was flying. So, I mentioned to our print rep who we worked with for pretty much everything. That I was considering a different path. She said, why don't you try print sales? I pretty much worked, you know, 6am to 10pm every single day. Um, I remember being called and chewed out on Christmas because of a billboard that didn't work out. So it was just constant. It was just me kind of by myself, constant hustle. So I wanted to try to have go to a dentist appointment or something. <laughs> have a real life. <laughs> When you're philosophy major, Heather, and you're looking to get a job working at an ad agency, did you imagine it would be like that? Yes and no. I, I think I had enough friends that were in it. I had a lot of friends that worked at White and Kennedy, actually. And so they can sleep under their desk sometimes. So I, I knew what I was getting into, but I imagined maybe a little bit more of a work-life balance. Okay, so you're feeling burnt out. Um you're working really hard, I guess. Can you just paint the picture of what, you, of what you expected sales to be like? Like, were there any movies that stuck out in your mind where it's like, that's a salesperson or like people you knew in your past where you're like, that's a definite salesperson. I'm not that person. Immediately, what comes to mind when I think of sales is a car lot with a guy in like a houndstooth jacket with elbow patches and those little blowy, those blow up guys, those advertising flag things that wiggle around and, you know, maybe like a weird hair pattern and like gold chain in his chest. That's kind of what I imagine as a salesperson, especially in like a manufacturing setting. <laughs> so I kind of thought, I don't know if that's my jam. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're now talk me through how again you mentioned that you know this person who's trying to get in there. Who are they? How do you know them? So it was our go-to sales rep for the print shop that that I ended up working with. She was retiring soon, and she had a pretty big book of business. She had Portland General Electric, she had Subaru, she had uh, quite a few local names in Portland. So. She was saying, you know, I love my the owner. I, she's worked there forever. If she's going to leave, it would be easier for him if she could train and give somebody her book of business 
rather than them struggle and scramble. So the fact that I was going to be handed a small book of business made it seem a little bit like I could go out on a limb and try it out. And we, she would take us to lunch all the time, do the sales schmooze. And, you know, the more she talked about it and the more I saw her work-life balance against my account life um, for agency side, I thought, you know, I'll, you know, I'll try it. Like what's the worst that could happen. You can always hit the brakes and, you know, go in reverse. So that's, that's how she got me over there. So normally people say, like, I feel like when people think about the difference between sales and marketing, people are always like marketing, like so relaxed and just like chilling, like creating creative things. But like salespeople are grinding every hour, every day. You sound like you're like, (laughs) I'm going to get into sales from marketing to calm down. Is that kind of accurate or or how is that for you? Yes, it was a I mean, in my marketing, I was traveling or I was going to events. It was flying to Vegas. It was working on media buys. It was, we had the Portland Rose Festival. So it was going to all of their events, a lot of conventions, just constant, constant, constant. Um, So I thought, you know what, at least in sales, I'm selling one kind of thing, even though it's variable, like what you can print, what you can make out of packaging. At least I probably don't have to fly to Vegas for jet fuel and then, you know, like go to Ben for a cross track. So I thought... I, I guess I, I imagine marketing to be crazy and creative, but then I imagine sales to be more individual contributor. And that's what spoke to me about it. Cool. So you decide you're going to take the job. What's day one like? Every sales rep had their own office cut with bookshelves across the wall of paper samples. And I just stared at those thinking, do I have to literally know every single paper that you can buy across the United States? I was just sweating. I had this book I carried around with me going to every press we had, talking to every bindery guy, like, how does this work? What is that? What if they ask me this? And everybody said, people pick the same paper 90% of the time. People don't know any of this, but I wanted to be able to explain like the full functioning of a Heidelberg's, you know, press, <laughs> which I never needed at all. But um, so for at least three weeks, I think I came home and had a silent tear of like, what did I sign myself up for? Okay. And what was like the people around you? Like, were they helpful? Were they like helping you get up to speed? Like what was the sort of team that you worked around? So I went in there, I was like, end of my twenties, I went in there. Um, It was all men except for the woman I was replacing. So she was kind of, I came in, she trained me a little bit, she was out. So it was me. And then five guys that were all at least 15 years older than me that had been in the industry forever. So I wouldn't, they were a little kind of like big brother teasy, but they did answer my questions when I needed help. But it was definitely like the men talking about golf and their boats and me just sitting there kind of like, okay, guys. (laughs) Cool. So you did, you had no boats at the time. No, I don't have one single boat. I still don't have one single boat. Okay. So now it's, this is, you're getting some help a little bit. So let's talk about the specific deal. So let, walk me through where, where are you? What is the start to this story of your pretty big deal? Yeah. So when I started, I got a little bit of a book of business to, you know, to train on to inter- be introduced to, to talk to these people. And because of the five men to one woman scenario, there was a lot of, you'll get there, you know, telling me how my ramp could be, just be precious and gentle with yourself. Like your ramp, you'll get there one day you'll get there. So I asked my boss when they're all kind of putting me in the new girl place, 
well, if you could have any account, what would you want? And he said, oh, you know, a bank. We love banks. If you want to, you could try to get Uncle Bank. And they all said, oh, yeah, that'd be great if you could Uncle Bank. So within two weeks, I had a meeting with the two creative directors from Uncle Bank. They told me they liked me because I wasn't salesy. And I said, yeah, I hate salespeople. In fact, my mental image of a salesperson is those little things at the used car dealership. So they're a really cool bank. They're very creative. Their art is a lot more detailed and thought out than a lot of the bank work. So we got to do a lot of cool packaging, custom, individualized work for them. And so that is where I saw my agency life working because I could speak to designers and really cut to the problems with Pantones and how things would work. So yeah, it was it was a really big deal for me to get that one because not only were they creative, but they were big and they were they that was when they started um, their acquiring journey. Like they started acquiring other banks. And then there's a part of the story that seems a little bit confusing to me. So you join and every night you're crying a single tear uh, and having <laughs> a number of panic attacks. And it sounds like everybody is like, don't worry, Heather, you'll get there. My response probably would be like, thank you. I appreciate that. Your response sounded like, I'm going to get whatever account you tell me to get. And all of a sudden, you're putting a really yeah. high bar on yourself. Uh, why did you do that? Um, I think I have just um, an innate desire to attack people with spite of my greatness. Um, <laughs> I think when somebody tells me, oh, you'll get there, or it's tough for a lot of people, I just want to say, well, I'll show you by um, running myself ragged and then accomplishing some insane goal. And then, you know, we'll talk after that. So that's that's how that happened. Did you, after you got Uncle Meg, did you get the, uh, the work-life balance you had been looking for? Or did you find yourself kind of just more engrossed into sales and putting a lot of energy there? When I was a new salesperson, I didn't trust the process. Looking back on it now, I expended a lot of energy walking every job I got through every single process, double checking everything because my reputation was so important to me. And my boss was constantly like, trust the process, trust the process. So I didn't then. I was running out in bindery, like checking everything, looking at it, making sure it was good. So I did really keep my, you know, I kept myself in the bad life work balance that I was running from. But then I, I think I grew into trusting the process. And then that was awesome. I was like taking lunch. I could go to a birthday party and not, you know, have my phone next to me the whole time. It sounds like that was your first big thing. How long did that deal take from when you called the shot, I'll get this bank to when you closed it? Um, I mean, we got our first job, I think in a week or two weeks. And then after we, after we delivered that first job and really saved them because they were in a really tight spot. After that, they just started sending us work. We eventually signed up with them through Office Depot, their deal to do all of their business cards, all of their all of their like basic um, office supplies, let alone every event they went to. And when you you mentioned that for this deal in particular, it sounded like having the background in marketing, having the agency experience was helpful. Did having that background in marketing carry through to other deals or other aspects of sales? Yes, it. Definitely did. I think in marketing, you learn to be able to deliver bad news in a happy way. So there were a lot of times, especially with the postal service or FedEx, that you would say, you know, that really urgent special thing you needed by tomorrow. Um, it actually got delivered to the other side of the United States by accident because hashtag FedEx. So um, I think marketing prepared me for that. I was I was pretty unflappable by then. Is there any parts of sales that you feel like when you started was like a totally new skill you had never developed? 
yeah, I never had a prospect before. I never had to cold call anybody or say like, hi, my name's Heather. You don't want to hear from me, but I'm calling you and then keep calling those people. I never had to do that because I worked with people who just wrote me a check to get their stuff done. So prospecting was tough. I think I, I mean, I generally like to say that I'm very good at cocktail parties. So I just use that skill to help me in sales, but prospecting was tough. I was, I hadn't dealt with like repetitive rejection when I was over here like i'm just trying to help you that's yeah the the repetitive rejection is probably pretty pretty rough how is the rest of your job after after uncla after you're building up the counts how long did you stay in sales i was in that prince sales role for seven years um in the beginning i mean i came in there very unsure of myself like didn't know what i was getting myself into thought i would just try it i my boss asked me when he was interviewing me can you promise to stay at least three years and i said yes i can promise three years and i stayed seven and it, it showed me this it totally changed my opinion sales and then i guess you had mentioned before you had won some awards what could you just walk through some of the awards you've won yeah so after i asked my boss okay well what account would you want if i was getting an account and he said come call a bank and i got it in two weeks at that time we had a quarterly sales award meeting where my boss would have a thousand dollars in cash in his pocket and we would sit around the conference table and there was a $500 cash reward for a new business for the quarter and then a $500 cash reward for most sold within an existing account. So I think for the first five quarters, I won both of those awards in every single meeting. So I would have, I would send pictures of $1,000 in cash in my hand to the other reps if they like were being bossy to me. I'd send a picture of my cash money that I won every time. And so after five quarters, they magically stopped having those meetings. They also had like a competition leaderboard in the hallway where the sales reps worked, and that also disappeared. Now, let's say Heather talking after seven years, smashing it. What would you say to Heather day one? I'd say, yes, still smash all those men's and show them that you can do it, but chill out. Like you'll get there. And it's, it's a one day at a time thing. I'm just, I'm always like, what's the next three months look like? When's my next raise? What's the next promotion I can get? I just kept looking for the next thing and put a lot of pressure on myself and didn't listen to anyone around me. That was my biggest mistake. When people said, you'll get there. No one's going to ask you about that. That never comes up. I didn't listen. I just wanted to be prepared in how I thought I needed to be prepared. And I see that I, I wasted a lot of energy and a lot of stress on myself trying to hit the ground running and a ramp in the week. I mean, I kind of did ramp in a week, but I, it, the amount of stress I put on myself to get there was a little unnecessary. So now, okay, but now you are out of sales. <laughs> Talk to me about why you left sales and where you went to. I was talking to a friend of mine who's also a recruiter at ZoomInfo, and he had nothing but good things to say about recruiting and ZoomInfo and it being rewarding. And the thing about sales is that you can build all the trust and relationship you want with your accounts, but at the end of the day, you're sending them like a $60,000 invoice with a smile on your face. And that got a little, I don't know, that was the least rewarding part of working in sales is begging people for money, especially when they don't pay. And then you're asking where the check is. And in recruiting, you're still prospecting, you're still using that seller's mentality but you're asking somebody if they would like a job and money rather than sending them an invoice and then begging them to pay. Oh, that's great. And I think the last, probably the last question is just like, what advice do you have for people uh, who are thinking about switching careers or changing into a new role? I think with careers, it's a lot like relationships, like the 
the same mentality goes with like, you know, you know, if it's a wrong fit for you, you might be making excuses and you might be trying to tell yourself just this much more or just this next promotion. But I think ultimately you should work so you can live. You shouldn't live to work and just, you know, I think COVID, especially living through a pandemic, hopefully reminds us all that life isn't guaranteed. Weird things happen. Life can be shorter than you want. So, you know, there's no point in knowing something's a wrong fit and just be brave to try it because you can always throw the car in reverse. That's something I say to myself a lot. You can always put the car in reverse. So try something, learn about it as much as you can to, you know, make an educated decision, but there's nothing's going to come, nothing bad's going to happen to you. Just try it. Jobs are important, but at the end of the day, it's just a job, right? Like it's not your limb. Um, It's not your little cat. Like it's just a job. Try it out and ask people along the way. This episode, a pretty big deal, was produced by me, Sam Balter, and edited by Xavier Leon. If you have a pretty big deal to tell us about, let us know by writing to prettybigdeal at zoominfo.com. Otherwise, we'll see you in the next episode.